0: Are we not the best of some friends already? Only in media.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that is still trying to count the total number of saves Jake Ottinger made this week against Buffalo. uh, We're working on it. It's going to be a while in a bit of a last minute line change we've actually benched mark this week and called Tyler up Tyler how's it going
0: uh, it's going well I hope I get to uh, talk for more than 12 minutes
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll see let's take it as it comes you know I, I like where we're at but we're gonna take things one game at a time and uh, you know we're just you know we'll see we'll see what the podcast brings us we've got two games to talk about this week um, Buffalo and Toronto, very different outcomes for a number of reasons. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of what went on. We'll talk about the division. It's uh, heating up spoiler alert. And then we're going to talk about February because it is a month, um, can confirm, right? One, one of 12, one of several, but for the Dallas stars, it is a capital M month. A lot's going on, some big teams, some interesting goings on. And, um, yeah, we're just gonna dig into all things Dallas, get Tyler's perspective and see what the stretch run looks like. We'll we'll probably talk about the trade deadline. I hear that's coming up. Um people like that. You know, we'll rehash old arguments, we'll dig up new ones, and the easy take oven is always on hand just in case we need it. Uh, anything you want to get off your chest before we dive in, Tyler? Nope, not, for, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, being honest. I'm having major league, you know, major league flashbacks, dynamite drop in, Mont. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's um, you know, it's it was an interesting week, I would say. It was one of those where if you just look at the outcomes, right? They got they got two of possible four points. They beat Buffalo, they lost to Toronto. But that doesn't really tell the story of the week, right? And and we'll start with the Sabres game and and, and you know, the, the kind of question the, the joke at the start of the show is a big storyline for the first half of the season was this team is performing. Ottinger is not the guy that he was last year, right? Whenever he gets it together, what does it look like? And we didn't get that against Buffalo because the rest of the team decided they wanted to take a little bit of an extra break coming out of the all-star game. But but boy, howdy, <laughs> did Jake Ottinger decide he was going to save some electricity on the old, old scoreboard in Buffalo? He had a game, Tyler.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the thing, the funny thing about Andre, and it kind of makes sense on one level, but he always talks about when he's performed games that he feels that he does well when he faces, like, a lot of volume. So, like, when his team isn't doing as well, he Challenge kind of feels accepted. like one, yeah, one, <laughs> because it's like, okay, he's also, you know, he's just taking all the volume of the shots. He's saying fresh. He's not having these long lulls between, so he's, you know, up to date. He's not kind of falling asleep at any point, you know, if so that makes sense. But it's also just like this, overall thing of, you know, Ottinger's kind of attitude where he always has that drive to, like, be the man, to be the person, you know, he loves playing the villain role, like, when on the road and stuff like that. And one of the portions of that and being the guy is being the guy who can steal games for your team that you just step up and just say, no, we're winning this game. And that's something we haven't really seen much from Ottinger uh, this season or even dating back to, um, you know, not even last year's playoffs. And so this was definitely... As far as what we think about when we think about Ottinger from his entire, you know, playing career, not just NHL, but this seemed to be a lot more of, OK, yes, this is the Jake we're expecting uh, now. And maybe, you know, maybe being on a, on the All-Star weekend, you know, helping uh, Team Matthews secure the win, maybe that had something to do with it. But it was just really nice to see, like, OK, yes, this is the Jake we know and love, not, you know, whatever we've kind of seen the first half.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think as well, looking at the calendar helps, right? He was out for a prolonged period of time due to injury. He was back in advance of the All-Star game, but it, it wasn't like he had this extremely lengthy run-up from the time he returned from injury to the All-Star game. So a part of me is just thinking that maybe, you know, maybe this is just him rounding into form, right? And, and to put a little context, if we, if we look at expected goals, I think it was, it, yeah, I think I'm looking at it, trying to soft pedal. It was uh, 3.78 for Dallas, 3.28 for Buffalo which i think recognizes there were certainly you don't get to as many shots as the sabers had and score a goal without there being some empty calories in there right you certainly don't do that but at the same time they gave up some legitimate chances to the sabers and it's it's not like it was all perimeter stuff it's not like it was all you know clear line of sight um no trouble so yes it was a you know it was a 2 to 1 win and yes he faced a ton of rubber but It was a really, it was a goaltending performance. And I think this team needed it. And it's something that they can uh, and should hopefully build on as they enter a much more difficult stretch of the schedule. Because if if that's the version, you know, when you you think about the best possible version of this team, right? Like that's the Jake Ottinger that's really going to scare whoever Dallas lines up against, you know, when it comes to the playoffs.
0: You're right. And, you know, it's also just nice to see because, you know, you talked about it was definitely a true, you know, goaltending matchup, you know. Bukopaka has been one of the, you know, he's been a very solid goaltender this year, even though as the Sabres haven't been exactly great, he, you know, 0.91 save percentage, you know, three shutouts. There's been many times this season where you could look at a game and you could say like a lot of the Vegas games come to mind where you think, okay, Ottinger had a good game, but he wasn't the best goaltender on the ice. You know, he mm-hmm. faced another good goaltender and they were better. And it tends to be that that's the team that ends up winning when you get these. I mean, isn't isn't that duels. the most
1: Dallas Stars thing ever is to have <laughs> goaltender play a great game and a mighty two to one loss. Like usually usually the stars are on the other side of this one.
0: Right. So it's, it's, it's really nice to see, you know, in this case where it's like, OK, he's going up. And like you say, it's, it's a goaltending match and he goes up against a goaltender who's been playing well this season, who played well against the Stars. I mean, obviously the Stars were kind of bringing their A game from the skater standpoint. But, you know, at had still had a good, solid performance. And so to see that Ottinger was not just his good, normal self, but he was the best goalie, not the best player on the ice, is just something that's really refreshing to see. Because especially when you think about, you know, the state of this team's defense uh, and how, you know, whether there might not be much help coming with the trade deadline just because of how the market is, you kind of see a case where it's like, okay, this might be a team where, Yes, they have all these pieces, but really just like any playoff team, uh, it it all boils down to how far does your goaltender take you? Uh, And so this is the kind of thing you like to see that kind of reassures you that, you know, okay, yes, Andrew has still got it. Maybe this isn't a funk year. Maybe he just needed to shake off some rust and and here we go. All green go (laughs) ahead.
1: I'm glad you brought up the playoffs. We're going to we're going to take a quick break. We're going to touch on that in a lot more detail in just a second. Now, Tyler, it is playoff time and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner bet online is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade. Mark thinks orange bet online is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get in with all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. So yeah, as I was saying, Mark, Mark thinks it's going to be orange flavor. I'm, I'm more of a traditional fruit punch guy. Where, where do you land on that?
0: You know, I, orange kind of sounds about right.
1: It's the safe choice, right? It's, it's the check down. It's the, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the or, or Orange is what.
0: Would you want a consistent result, and you don't want to have to worry about any mistakes being made? You go with orange. No answer or into the lineup.
1: Now, I do think, uh, and then pivoting back to actual hockey talk, thanks for bearing with us, um, audience. I did want to mention a couple of things about it, and we'll start to segue into Toronto just, just a little bit. But... You know, there's some stuff as well with the, the Buffalo game. I think this is a good example of, of we talked about Ottinger having a great game. I think the other heartening thing is the goal scorers were Matt DeShane and Sam Steele, right? So this is a game where the 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 quote unquote I mean you could argue that the Sagan line right now this season is the top line, but you know, Jamie Benn's crew didn't get on the score sheet. Jason Robertson's crew didn't get on the score sheet. Goaltending duel stage was set for a star's heartbreaker, but instead We've seen this all season, right? There there seems to be more depth this go-round, more offense this go-round. And and this is a team that, that can win and can compete even when their kind of leading offensive lights drop goose eggs.
0: I, I agree. And I think that's the—you don't have to go that far back to remember what the, the Stars being a one-line team. And they were for— a decade many many, many seasons pretty <laughs> much all throughout Chip dill's uh, tenure you know first it was JB bid and tyler sagan and then with adding in jason Spezza to that mix and then it's suddenly you started to get the avengers line of robertson heights and pavelski and now in a large part due to the system pete DeBoer has brought to dallas where he's kind of shed the, the general trend we have in uh in the league is kind of moving towards that more offensive-based game and, you know, the elimination, the death of the traditional third-line checking role. And I think that, you know, when you talk about a lot of teams and your scoring powers and your scoring depth, it's not just, okay, you have your top six, your checking nine, and your fourth line that does kind of whatever. You really talk about your a top nine, a top nine scoring And then okay, your fourth line is, you know, still kind of mostly the same. And Dallas is in large part due to you know development, but also their additions, uh, like Matt Duchesne and you know, even Mason with the year before, they really have a very strong top nine and they have a fourth line that can you know eat up a lot of time in the offensive zone, even it's not even just a, oh, you gotta just put them out there and just try to pray for the best. You know, like someone like Sam Seal can actually go out and score and actually do some damage. And so that's really a benefit because one of the big things that was to Vegas's uh, benefit last year in the playoffs was how you kind of felt like, okay, they have, you know, that scoring uh, depth. They have that fourth line at, um, or even Seattle, uh, teams like that, where it's okay, even if your top performers are having an off night or they kind of go to sleep or whatnot, you still have other people that can step up to the plate. And so I think this season, I think you still consider, you know, obviously Robertson Henson now Johnston as the top line, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be like in years past, that they're always the ones scoring. You kind of have a case where they could not have a single point the entire night and you could still come away from it thinking that stars have, you know, had a good offensive performance because they have finally have all those key uh, pieces throughout their lineup.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great call. Then they they go to Toronto and it was a much, (laughs) much less of a goaltending duel. But, but I think that structurally, Everything that you're talking about about the composition of this team, it still kind of lines up, right? So we we talk about depth, and that no, it wasn't it wasn't two to one um, squeaker, but it was. You know, Scott Wedgwood did what a backup goaltender should do, and on on the second half of a back to back, he kept his team somewhat alive, right? It, he he didn't. He certainly, in my opinion, wasn't the reason that they you know, lost entire, there was a lot going on in that game. They got goals, a couple of them from Evgeny Dadanoff, right? So this was a team that, that uh, and Johnston as well, I think it was Dadunov, Johnston and um, ben. ben. Yeah. Ben got it on the power play. That's right. Um, but anyways, just talking about to your side, it was, it's spread out again. It's you're seeing different names, different things come up and, you know, they trailed, uh, you know, it's kind of the NHL special, right? Like you, you go down early on the second night of a back-to-back and that's usually kind of it. Well, okay, they came back and, and took a lead and then, okay, well, you cough up that lead and you go down again and then that's that's really kind of it, right? And they came back again and then they coughed that up again and they almost came back a third time. So it, it was a lot of heart for, I thought, you know, where they were structurally, you know, of course, penalties, right? They, they kind of made some mistakes that ended up in retrospect, maybe costing them that game, could have done better on the power play as well. But... I wanted to ask you, looking at those two games, are you heartened, disheartened, TBD for where the stars sit about those two performances?
0: You know, I think content, like everything, I think context is kind of important here. You know, first game back from the All-Star break, you know, from a, let's be honest, a very long break of, they off, what, like, 10, I mean, 10 days, if even, you know, even more than that. I think it was nine days that they had off. Uh, coming back, and if the one player that turns up happens to be the one that's played hockey recently, even if it's, you know, 3-on-3 three three gimmick, all-star game hockey, you know, so I'm fine with that performance. And then Toronto, this team is cursed against the Maple Leafs, let's be honest. I don't think anyone expects Dallas to play Toronto and actually come away with the win. <laughs> but also coming with, you know, not just that from a funny haha thing, but the fact that it is a second night of a back-to-back, that you're facing off against a very strong... Offensively gifted team with your backup goaltender and still being able to, like you're talking about, having that kind of fight in you that you're still able to, even to the dying minutes, that you're still fighting and trying to work for that comeback. I mean, to me, that's kind of a courageous thing. I mean, yes, I would like to see the win or at least getting into overtime. But when you're talking about kind of what you may expect or what you kind of thought, I think it was at least, you know, not the result we necessarily would have wanted. But you definitely saw those pieces there. And I think if you're looking, again, to kind of what sunk them and what that difference maker is, yeah, I think you had to go back to, like, you are talking about that, you know, the penalties specifically. Not even that you gave up the penalties, but, you know, they, they went... I mean, Toronto went three for three on the power play. They scored all three opportunities. Those were their first three goals. You take away even just, you know, you stop one of them, and then suddenly you're going in, and when Dodonov scores for the second time in the third period you have the lead, you know, even say, you know, butterfly affected everything like that. Who knows if it would have actually been tighter one whatnot, but you know, it was a one goal game and gave up three penalties and you gave up three power play goals. That's kind of, that's the one area about the game where it's kind of like, okay, that's, that's a bit concerning, especially considering uh, the makeup of the defense and how certain players are built to be on the roster because of their penalty killing. And when they don't show up,
1: that's where I wanted to go next. I'm glad you brought up the defense. It's been top of mind, and we've got the trade deadline coming up. This was another one of those mixed bag weeks for Dallas, right? We continue to see it, it does look like Pete DeBoer is leaning into the Harley Haskinen pairing, and it does look like that pairing continues to bear dividends, right? It was, if you look at time on ice, five on five against Toronto, right? Almost 18 minutes. That was by far the go-to pairing. I think the next closest was sitting at the 12 minute mark. So those were, those were the guys that he was rolling out there. Uh, You know, it wasn't quite as extreme, but again, in Buffalo, same thing, right? Almost, almost 14 and a half minutes, right? Next was Lindell and Hockenpah, right? So it does look like Pete DeBoer is leaning on Harley and Haskinen which is good that is the best pairing on this team to me that's that's the thing that's going to unlock the the highest upside but we're still seeing we're still seeing trouble the penalty kill has gone from being a towering strength to being a leaky bucket and it's getting progressively harder not to look at some of the purported defensive specialists in the lineup and and you know wonder what that specialization is i think as well we also saw you know after a stretch in the lineup. Um, Lundquist was back to playing, you know, 12, 12-ish 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes against Buffalo. Then he gets yanked and gets replaced by Hanley in Toronto who only plays 12 minutes. And and I, I we talked last week and we've talked a lot about the the Lundquist thing in isolation. And I don't necessarily want to just badger that one. But the point I do want to make is like, if you have a defenseman that you only trust For twelve minutes, like that—that to me is a structural problem with the unit, and it's something that this team is gonna have to solve somehow.
0: I mean, I agree, and I think the the way the the team has been built and the defense, and just realistically speaking, obviously, you know, Haskin and Harley, your top, your your top guys, Uh, Lindell and Suter are never gonna come out of the lineup, and then at least, you know, for the majority of the season, Hakipas would look at as okay, he's this. Piddly killer. He's a big part of our stellar penalty kill. He has to be in the lineup by virtue of that. Uh, we'll see if that kind of, you know, if, if recent trades necessarily keep going, if that remains the case. Uh, and so you have a case where you have, you know, kind of just one of one quiz or Hanley's going to be in the lineup. And, you know, I think it's clear that, you know, what DeBoer thinks about both those players. He views Hanley as I know exactly what result I'm going to get with him but that doesn't necessarily mean I want to play him a lot. And then with Lundqvist, it's a very much a, you know, he feels like he's rolling the dice and he's not a Lundqvist fan, let's be honest. And so it I think... It certainly doesn't
1: seem like it, does
0: it? No. And I think, you know,
1: back-to-back
0: and facing against these recovered teams, like, I'm not too surprised that Lundqvist hit the scratch for that instance. You know, you want Hanley to ask some game time, you might think, okay, especially of how close the game was against Buffalo and now you're facing a high-powered offensive team against Toronto, I can see him saying, okay, I don't want to eat the mistakes, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think it just kind of brings back to this kind of flaw Dallas has that with the roster construction for this, you know, going into the season where they really did nothing to change the defense and you're now looking at the trade deadline and there's not really many options because, I mean, you got to find someone on the right-hand side who you don't have any room on the left-hand side unless you were going to try and break up Harley and Haskin in and put Harley on its offside. So they're just kind of this really weird, awkward spot where, you know, yes, they could have improvements uh, that they, they should be able to improve, but are they really going to, or how much of improvement that might be? And so it's like, you see someone like Hanley eating, just taking 12 minutes and you're thinking, man, why are you even playing? But I think that's just more so just a, a state of where the defense is as a whole, where, You know, the reason Harley Haskett is now a thing is just because I think Dallas and DeBoer realizes that he just has to. Those are his two best defensemen by a long shot, and he has to play them as much as possible. And when you have them on separate pairs, that also forces him to play other defensemen more than he might like to. And so the kind of solution to that is, well, here are my two best defensemen. I want to play them as much as possible. I'm just gonna play them together. It just
1: yeah and I mean the, the the complicating factor as well is looking at you know we we haven't quite hit full deadline crazy, but if if you look at the two recent larger deals, right? Lindholm uh, to you know to the Canucks and then Monaghan to the Jets, prices are are starting out in a crazy spot. And yeah, I, I think the, the calculus for Dallas, it's, it's what you said, right? The two best defensemen are Harley and Haskin, and you probably want to play them together, together to get the best possible outcome, which means that DeBoer is going to have to manage his roster beneath that because you really don't have, if those two are locked in, right, you don't have a second pair and you don't have a third pair so much as you have four interchangeable parts that you kind of have to shuffle together. So, okay, well, you probably, in a vacuum, you probably want more options, but you know, a first round pick and a conditional third for Sean Monahan. If that's the market, like, do you, we've talked about this before and Tyler, I'll go ahead and put you on the spot and ask you the question. Do you trade Logan Stankoven to get a guy in on the defense? Right? Like what's your, what's your line for, for a Noah Hannafin or for a, um, you know Chris Tanev, or you know, you know what I mean. Like thinking about who's around. Like Dallas has some high end guys, but there's not a lot of volume. So like, do do you trade? You know who who do you move?
0: You know that's the kicker because I kind I kind of went into one of my big talking points heading uh, into the season, or at least early on the season when it became clear that you know Calgary Flames particularly were bad. The best possible acquisition for Dallas you know, which would solve so many problems is you get Chris Tanev, but you have to do it now, basically. You have to do it like before the winter, like before, you know, December's up and whatnot, because basically you got to just try and, you know, tantalize the the flames and get them to, you know, sell early. And which for a time period, you know, it looked like they were going to do when they um, chipped off uh, Zadaroff, because otherwise Tanev's price point was only going to go up and up and up and up. And I think at this point, especially with, you know, the Flames in particular, what they've gotten for a turn of their deals, but also just seems in general what this kind of baseline price needs to be. If I'm the Flames and Dallas calls me asking about Hannaf Entertainment, I say, OK, I want one of Maverick Bork or Logan Zickman. And if you're Dallas, you, your immediate response and your obvious response is no. I mean, they're tearing it up in the HL. These aren't just, okay, a good prospect or something. And first, I mean, we're talking about rental here, you know, rental for defensemen. These guys are off limits. And then Calgary, you know, expects that and they say, okay, that's fine. Uh, we got to go one level down then. Uh, we want the show. And then that's the part where, you know, Dallas is still not willing to give up necessarily that prospect, but then Calgary has their standpoint and their, you know, argument is saying, well, we're already kind of compromising and going down a, yeah. you know, tier, so to speak. You know, we can't go down, you know, any further than that, especially since Dallas doesn't really have a strong, you know, second tier of someone where it's like, OK, yeah, you're going to maybe be a decent one or you're a bit more risk. I mean, you kind of have this you have this, you know, notable difference between the two forwards and then you, shell and then it's kind of a big drop off.
1: And I think the other piece to all of this that complicates it further is if you're making one of those big deals as Dallas, you also need to clear space. So I think the thing that the armchair GM sometimes need to remember when they're framing this is you have to, if you're the Dallas stars to get a top end player, you most likely have to pay for two things, right? You have to pay for the player you're getting. And then you also have to pay for them to take Radek Foxa, right? Or potentially Evgeny Dadnov, or, you know, somebody with a number behind their name, right? You're not just, you're not going to get rid of, of Craig Smith, right? Or Sam Steele and move enough dollars to make this work. So it's, it's one of those situations where the price tags are already high, and then the way that Dallas's cap is makes them even higher because just, again, taking the Calgary Flames as an example, it's not just Dallas calling them and saying, hey, I'd love Chris Tanev. It's Dallas calling them and saying, hey, I'd love Chris Tanev and for you to take at least part of Radic Foxa so I can make the dollars work. Let's make a deal.
0: Right. And it's kind of like a case where probably the only way you kind of make that work without having to pay for someone is, I mean, so if Giddi Dodadov, is a case where you could probably get away from not having necessarily pay to offload them. I mean, because even just thinking about it, if you look at on the surface at a very surface level, uh, he still has 23 points in 49 games. He still has double digit goals. Uh, there's a team out there that would be willing to add on, Dad enough to try and bolster. Oh,
1: himself. sure. Sorry. I, right. I was not I was not disparaging Daddy right No, no, no. Daddy,
0: right? no, no, no. I, I understand. I'm just meaning to <laughs> that point. But then with Calgary specifically, well, then you're kind of having to package it or any sort of seller, you have to package either as okay, we're giving you this player, so you could then turn around and try and trade them yourself, because obviously you're not looking for that kind of player, or you know, trying to get involved with third team. So you're right, absolutely the cap hit definitely complicates matters to uh, a great extent
1: and potentially made the team worse, right? Like it's, it's that, do you make yourself enough better by bringing in the asset that you want to offset the fact that this isn't a team that's going to flip crap. They're not using for an all-star, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not how, you know, that's not how trades work. So like, does the hit you have to take getting players off the roster to get the asset and afford the asset, you know, is it all is it offset by the quality of the guy you bring in?
0: Yeah, you're right. And and that and that's where it kind of comes to the part where, you know, for the most part, as far as what actual assets Dallas has to trade, that would really move the needle, is you're talking about picks and you have those three prospects that are kind of borderline, untouchable. And when it comes to I mean when it comes to a rental or someone like Tana, like Calgary's gonna get a deal where they get a first and a good prospect rather than having to just settle for just the picks or something like that. You know, I think Dallas would consider moving someone like Sinkovan, but it would have to be for someone that they actually viewed as a, a long term. It's more, less of a deadline deal, but more of like an off season potentially, but it would have to be kind of a, you know, we're getting a Jacob Heikern or we're getting a Noah Dobson. We're getting some player that we expect to be part of our, defensive you know so hard for the long term because otherwise it, it just doesn't make sense of where dallas is where the cap hit salary cap is where it's going forward even if the cap hit going up those players you know give it boric michelle if elcs are going to be are worth their way to gold that's just something that dallas isn't going to be looking to give up so they're kind of this difficult position where yes obviously they want to add but They're just not in the best position to do that because you need the right mix of pieces that you're willing to trade and pieces that are also pieces that other teams will want. And beyond just, you know, picks, I don't think Dallas really has that right now, at least as far as the big fish are concerned, which is why you're probably going to see Dallas either say we like where we're at, or they're going to make some very small minor trade, you know, getting someone like Rostosal you know, just beef up a defense and say, like, okay, is that even really much of an upgrade? Or is Well, this so just- at this
1: point, I think it's not even about upgrades. It's about options, right? To, right. To, for all of the reasons that you articulate, I, I agree with you. I'm in the camp that they don't do anything to fix this, this season because I think that when you look at the long-term course of the franchise, they're a competitor right now anyways, right? And I think if we look at the likelihood of things that happen to win the Dallas Stars a Stanley Cup, right? I think that it is more likely that you get Playoff Ottinger are able to overload Harley and Haskinen for, you know, a month and a half and lean on what has turned into four effective lines, not just three. Right. But I think it's more likely that you get to the cup that way than by gambling correctly, bringing in the perfect piece and turning the defensive core into a sudden strength. Right. So for this season, at least, I, I think that staying out of the trade market makes a ton of sense for all of the reasons that you listen which, again, turns it into a, okay, well, the way that you're going to get there is you have to use the defensive core better. And to, in my opinion, that is finding a way to use, and it may it may be Hanley, right? But it's, it's finding a way that one of the guys on your back line is playing more than 12 minutes, right? That, to me, is a problem.
0: I think Dallas will make a move, but it probably will be somewhat it will be a third-pair defenseman, even necessarily from a case of, okay, we're going to put someone in the day, you know, Bloodquist and Hanley are in the box all day, press box, but even just from a standpoint of, okay, maybe someone who could eat some penalty kill, where you maybe could feel that you could remove Haka for the lineup. You know, like I think you put it well where it just comes down to options and finding some way that you could try and tinker with leading up to playoffs, figure out, okay, what could work how it is, you know, kind of like how um last year when they called up Harley, and you'd had to side, okay, we're not Ludquist isn't to playoff defenseman for us. We got to see if uh Thomas Harley can come up and maybe do that for as well. You know, this is the part where you would you really hope that Michelle didn't head back uh to Switzerland and it was still in Texas, because otherwise he would have already been called up by now. I'm thinking, you know, all obviously because of the Hayes injury, but even outside of that, you know, that would be the time where you would say, Okay, hey. You know, let's just see who could potentially be options. Yeah. Um, And that's the case where that's probably the kind of move Dallas is making. Not so much the okay, boom, we won the trade deadline. We acquired a, you know, the the, one of the biggest names on the line. And that's really going to move the needle. And now Dallas goes from, you know, cup contender to cup favorite. You know, that's not the type of move we're going to see.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're completely right. And then want to segue. We talked a lot about the D glad we covered it because it, it like it or not, folks, right? Like buckle up the two the two big storylines down the stretch are going to be. Does the goaltending hold up? And what about the defense? And I'm just, I don't know what to tell you. If you're watching the stars, that's what you're going to be thinking. If that's what you're thinking, we're going to talk about it. No other way. So the other bit I wanted to Tyler is talk about the schedule, right? And when we look at February, it's busy month. For Dallas, right? They've they've already played twice, and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It looks like twelve more games the rest of the way, and you know, they've got Montreal on on Saturday. Although that wasn't as much of a relaxer as the last time, but it's Montreal, Carolina, Nashville, Edmonton, Boston, Rangers, Ottawa, Carolina Islanders under Wa, and then Colorado and Winnipeg to finish it out. So like. Hurricanes twice, Avs and Jets, Rangers, Bruins, you know, Firewagon Oilers, like there are a lot of significant teams on the schedule this month. And I think that, that this is a very, I don't want to say deceptive, like look at the schedule. It's not not hidden. It's not deceiving anybody. But this is a big month for the Dallas Stars this season to kind of establish where they really are in the league's pecking order.
0: I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I think... As you said, listing off those teams, it's kind of a show. It like, okay, yeah, actually prove that you're one of these top teams that you can actually go out and you could beat the other teams and prove what you're worth. And, and really, and not even that, but try and build uh, some space between you and the other, mm-hmm. you know, top central teams. Because if we look at Colorado and Winnipeg, so heading into the All Star break, uh, for the most part. You know, both were kind of looking good. You know, Colorado had like a three-game winning streak right for the break. Uh, Winnipeg had that ridiculous like eight-game winning streak, like t- 10 games, and, 10 wins and 11 games, stuff And like it was that. like
1: they never I gave know. up more than two goals as well, wasn't it? They, they right. had an insane streak.
0: It, exactly. And then it was like, but then headed right in between that, like our last week of play before the All-Star break, they lost three in a row and since so coming back for the All-Star break they've lost two in a row, which they've only scored one goal. Uh, Colorado, you know, like I said, going into the all-star break, right to get three-game winning streak, they've now also lost three in a row, one of which being in overtime. Uh, all these, you know, interestingly enough, just like Dallas, all these games after the all-star break, being against Eastern Conference opponents, but you have this position where, uh, whereas kind of the first half of the season, what a lot's been is it's kind of in this three-way race, and Dallas is usually, you know, maybe we take over and maybe they take over in points, but not necessarily points percentage or stuff like that. And Dallas is sitting right now in the lead at both points and points percentage. And so it's even regardless of who the opponents are for the month. If you just talk about these trends, if you think, okay, is it possible that, you know, Colorado maybe falters a bit, or, you know, is Winnipeg finally a Rick bonus team finally to get a crash post all-star break, man, I haven't heard that story before. Um, <laughs> You know, this is where you like to see Dallas, you know, prove that they're not going to have that sort of collapse, that they're going to be able to say, no, like, we're a true cup contender team, we're going to keep winning, and kind of see that bigger divide, where maybe they build up some cushion, not just in being, you know, I-, I think so far, barring a massive collapse, you know, these three teams are the top three central teams, Yeah. Um, barring something like what the Los Angeles Kings did, and tandem with what the Oilers did, you know, over in the Pacific, but... You could definitely see Dallas maybe try to start away from here. And I think if you see that against these type of opponents, I think that makes you feel really good heading into March and beyond with this idea of, OK, even though they're playing these tough opponents, they still got the job done. They still kind of made some space, you know, trying to fight for that division crowd, um, which looks like it'll be very important as far as just avoiding one of, you know, one of Winnipeg or Colorado. like you said it's just going to be a really big uh you know put up or shut up yeah
1: and to put that in context right so dallas is seven two and one in their last 10 uh colorado is five four and one and edmonton is four five and one or sorry edmonton i wish winnipeg is four five and one so to your point you know dallas has now moved and it's it's Razor thin, right? They're at six six seven point percentage, six five four for the Avs, six six three for the Jets. Jets technically have games in hand, um, two of them. So if if Winnipeg wins. Both of their games in hand, they're technically a point ahead of the stars. Dallas has a game in hand on Colorado and is tied with Colorado. So like it's, they are effectively tied. They're as close to statistically tied as you're going to get without literally being statistically tied. I mean, even
0: if, even if you look at goal differential, it's like Dallas 32, Colorado 31, Winnipeg 33, like they all, these three teams are so the same, the only notable difference is that, you know, in terms of regulation wins, uh, Dallas trails, but you know we don't count regulation wins we count ROWs which are pretty much
1: the same the dub yeah it's the nhl baby we don't need we don't need to win it in, in 60 we'll we'll win it we'll win it when we damn well please um but yeah it's 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 going to be and, and it's it's not even like the, the games kind of stack, right? Like it's, it's Montreal and and the first three, like Montreal, Carolina, Nashville is kind of a nice way to ease it in. And that's Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. So good, good breaks between the game. But then from, from Saturday, you know, you have a Saturday, Monday, Tuesday set back to back where you go Edmonton, Boston, New York Rangers, right? That's you want to, you want to test the metal of this team. And, and, you know, it's, it's, the stuff we're talking about you're probably if if you're if you're Pete DeBoer right you're probably going to need to distribute your defensive minutes a little bit differently than you did in the last two games you're you know we talked about I, I again I, I'll stand by you know Wedgwood didn't cost he wasn't the reason they lost to Toronto but probably need a couple more saves than you got right so you you're probably going to need Scott Wedgwood at the very least to be the guy that comes in against Nashville and Ottawa and the, you know, you need him to come in and hold serve in the games that that you're kind of supposed to win so that you don't have to expend your, you know, your, your Ottinger energy, high-end energy in the games that are, are much more competitive. Right. But you're, you're kind of going to have to coach your way through this month. I think in a way that is, is very interesting to me and will be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: I think you're absolutely right because even outside of the goaltending, you, ha- you have this the concept of just, uh, in general, when it comes to sports, you know, that y- you can't give 100% every single game, you know, you're not going to see, you know, Connor McDavid is one of the fastest skaters, you know, if not the fastest skater in the league, but you're not going to see that every single minute of every single game that he plays because, you know, pacing is important and how you hold up. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a couple back to backs. I mean, there's Boston, New York, and then later Islanders, uh, Colorado, but even just in general, it's going to be, you know, starting with Carolina, you have, you know, maybe you have just a day in between games, if not any, you know, and you're going to be traveling. And you, you just have to make sure that all the games are important, you're going to win them, but you have to not overtire your team. You don't have to try to rely on much. You can't get in a position where you're just saying, OK, Odgers just has to try and bail us out or has to be played because we need that. Or, OK, we got to be playing. Haskinen and Harley, you know, 25 to 30 minutes every single night because we have to win these games. We have to do it. You know, you really have to see if you're Pete DeBoer, especially given, you know, heck, even just to the defense and give your defensive uh, depth issues, you really just going to have to see him, you know, pick and choose. Okay, how do I do load management? How do I make sure that no one's getting hurt because overplaying or overtired? and but still trying to rack up those points or get those points when they matter. It's going to be a very interesting month to say the very least. Yeah.
1: And I think you're yes, yeah, it's, it's you know, I'm big on clichés, right? Your your goal is to win the season, not necessarily to win the game, and that that feels wrong sometimes, but you know, 82 games will do that to you. So I think you're right, right? It's, it's, this team has a, a race to, to run at the top of their, of their division. They've got to position themselves for playoffs. Part of that is going to be managing minutes and, and getting the right guys healthy, figuring out options. And it's going to be a month. So we'll, we'll close on this. I want to, I want to get your, your opinion. So of all the games we just talked about, where are you, and I can go back through the list again, if you need me to talk about, wh- which game next, wh- which February game are you most intrigued by at this point?
0: It's gonna be. It's gotta give a pair of games. Uh, they're actually back to back, very interestingly. But Edmonton and Boston, back to back. These are the two teams that, especially with how Edmonton's played recently. If you were to pick your favorites for each conference of who would make the Stanley Cup final, and obviously you know it's it's a crapshoot what you get to the playoffs. You know how be ever say like that. But you would probably very comfortably pick. Most people would pick Edmonton and Boston. And they also have an interesting point of that they're both, you know, matinee games, (laughs) Uh, interestingly enough. And which is a kind of very different atmosphere that kind of adds in a wrinkle. And I think they're going to be interesting, not just because of the caliber of the opponent you're facing, but even necessarily, you know, how do they play against Edmonton and how does that impact how they play against Boston? Do and we I think see a ahead. correlation, a jump that, OK, adjustment or, you know, how, do the are these games really just two games that happen to be back and back on the schedule and are mostly independent of each other? Or do we actually see any sort of shift or adjustments or strategy or anything like that based on what we see on that Oilers game that comes first?
1: Well, and I think you're alluding to, you know, tactically against the Oilers, like. Circle like nerds, right? That's that's the Haskin and McDavid showdown, right? So presumably Dallas's game plan there, at least defensively, is going to be very Haskin centric. And so you're right. How does that set you up the next night for a somewhat different challenge against against the Bruins? So yeah, I think you're right. It's not just that. It's not just that seeing either of those games will be incredibly interesting and give you a very good benchmark of where the stars are against the league's apparent elite, but the fact that they're back-to-back tells you a ton about this roster as well. And and yours were the right answers, so I'm not, I'm not arguing with you, but just because it's not particularly fun to have a discussion where you say something and I say, yep, those are the right answers and we move on. I am also very interested in the Jets game on February 29th. Uh, and, and I could have said Colorado before that, but we've seen that before. I just think that the Jets are such an interesting challenge with Hellebuck. They are right now, right at the top of the division. This will be the last game of the month. So there will probably be a storyline, whether we like it or not heading into that game. Right. Dallas will either have had a successful month or an unsuccessful month. So that that Jets game could be like one of those referendum games where they get vital points against a divisional rival and either make a statement affirming what they've been over the course of the month or disputing what they've been over the course of the month. And so I'm I am interested in that one as well in a way that I may not be if it didn't if it fell somewhere else on the calendar. Like I'm mean, I'm interested in that one because of because of who it is, sure, but also because it came last.
0: I mean I, I think that's a good point as well. And you know, it'll also be interesting just from a Winnipeg perspective because Winnipeg's kind of, like you said, they are in a five game losing streak. They have kind of a cupcake schedule in stark contrast to Dallas. They play, you know, Pittsburgh tonight as of recording this, but, you know, then they're facing off against uh, some of the teams they're playing are the Sharks, the Flames, the, the Wild, uh, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Blues. So I guess cupcake is not the right word, but it's like Vancouver is the only team before Dallas that's actually a top team in their respective division or even in conference. And so I think it will be very interesting from the Winnipeg perspective as well is, you know, does this kind of losing streak or downward trend continue or do they kind of build it back up? And then is it looking from a, regardless of how Dallas has done, you know, is this a case where are they close in the standings and Dallas is still trying to, you know, get the edge up on Winnipeg or is Winnipeg trying to, you know, falter and climb back up? You know, is Dallas still on that falter did they're trying to kind of Go back up. I mean, it'll definitely be a, a good checkpoint for both teams, you know, heading into the last, you know, full month of hockey, of regular season of hockey, given how things have kind of been going here. We're facing off against a, you know, top divisional team, you know, someone we might very well see in the first round of the playoffs. Give us what you got.
1: Give us what you got. I love it. So then last thing, where standings will Dallas be on March 1st?
0: In terms of points and point percentage.
1: Hey, you know what? You you do you. Uh, I'll,
0: I I won't <laughs> specify, so I can get off of technicalities. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be first. I feel good about how Dallas is. I don't really feel.
1: You, you again, like again
0: for even the I don't feel that great about Winnipeg, but you know D- Dallas is just as much as critique as we've been giving them all season, and you know it's just like kind of a story. The the. Fans who are the hardest on any given fan base or team are their own fans. Uh, you know, Dallas has continued so far this season, you know, they've just, they just win. And, you know, and overall they just win and they're not hitting these giant slips or whatnot. And so even, you know, talk about who we're kind of facing off against in the challenges that uh, pertails. And, you know, I kind of just expect Dallas to just keep doing what they've been doing all year. And if they do that, then there's a good chance they end up still in the first spot in the division.
1: I don't disagree. I, at least Dallas's problems now are the same problems they've been learning to cope with all season. I don't know that it'll be a smooth month, but I I think that we will be I won't I won't get into like specific number of points or anything like that. I'm I'm not that good at prediction. I I will say I think that we will be generally encouraged as fans. I think this month will have more good than bad, which given who they're playing, I think it's a pretty pretty important thing.
0: That's a that's a a more diplomatic and kind of contrapositional <laughs> <Well, laughs> it's,
1: it's hedging. I certainly caveated the crap out of that. If they, if they win one game, <laughs> but they win it in a certain way, I can probably claim victory. So <laughs> it's all
0: about victories by technicality.
1: That's right. So being technically correct is the best kind of correct. Anything you want to get off your chest before we call it a day, Tyler? play no one first
0: just, just play no one
1: first <laughs> play in 14 14 minutes compliments 14 minutes thanks for jumping in Tyler KT for putting it together listeners etc I uh, really appreciate y'all uh, sticking with us liking the podcast downloading the podcast showing us the love um, we, we sort so so greatly enjoy it we love putting this on for y'all we'll be watching the games excited to talk about the games we'll tune in next week podcast over